we are continuing a series, a study from um, lessons from Acts, um, <clears throat> the work of the apostle, the disciples, and uh, today we continue <clears throat> for all, for all, and, and I have an invitation for you uh, to really think about this idea for all. Um, This is a, um, it's, this, this message today is really a challenge. It's a challenge for me, it's a challenge for, um, uh, for you, it's a challenge for our culture, it's a challenge for um, our community, it's a challenge for uh, this movement called United Methodist Church. And um, this week has not been an easy week to study this and think about where we are. And... Uh, <clears throat> I would just try my best uh, to invite you into this, uh, to this challenge. Uh, I, hope, I hope when you leave here, you'll be very uncomfortable. If you're even angry, uh, I, I've, I've got you somewhere. The idea of all. Can you say all? Can you say all? The idea of all, there is no exception, and yet at the same time, we are part of a movement called Christianity that does its best on finding out who is in, who is out. Spend most of its resources shifting through who is in, who is out. Now, if you move from Christianity down to United Methodists, uh, we are in the middle of trying to find out who is in, who is out. And, uh, and, and this has been really, really a challenge uh, for me. Now, for you, uh, if this is your first time uh, stopping by here, um, let me just let you in on this little uh, thing that we do. When we read the scripture together, uh, we, we, are, we are messy living room. Because some people really know how to read, some people read laziness, there are some people who make up their own reading while we're reading together as a community. And, uh, and if you get, there are some people who just like, I don't know what your people are saying. And, uh, and this is really, really crazy. And so if you experience that here sometimes when you come, and for you who are joining us online, if you wait for us to read the scripture together and you lost on the way, it's a good reason why you need to have your own Bible. You know what I mean? Wink, wink. You need your own book. Uh, and if, if not, there is this free apps all over the place. You can put it on the phone and you can read for yourself. Um, <clears throat> I just say that because sometimes when you come to this gathering, uh, there are some experiences that might be your first experience. And there are, there are, it, it happens all the time. Part of hospitality. You just kind of let people in on the on, uh, way you do things and the way to expect what is coming on. And so, so sometimes if, if you happen to stop by here today and, uh, and in a moment we will read the scripture together. And if you're confused when we do that, you're not alone. Trust me. I've been here for about three years and now I get confused when these people are reading together. Uh, because what I say and what they say, we're not saying the same thing. Because I make up my own thing as I go. And so uh, we are continuing in a conversation about um, <clears throat> the work that God has commissioned us to do. 
And uh, not too long ago, I talked about somebody who is outside of the church, outside of the Christian church, outside of the first call people, the Jewish people. There was this no-name eunuch. It was just his category. He was outside. He go try to be in the church. And I, I, I share with you this eunuch because he was of a different race. He was not a Jew. He was from a different village, a different zip code. Um, didn't look like, smell like, and, and uh, look like uh, the people here. And he came to here being Jerusalem to go over there to the temple to, wor- to worship. And I say to you, this simply because of his race, where he was born. He didn't have any choice on it. He was just, broop, there it is. To this little village, he was not allowed to get into the temple. And I simply remind you that today, our little tribe of United Methodists, we still function like that. There are some people, we just don't let them in because they don't look like us. They don't talk like us. They don't dress like us. We don't let them in. And let alone this idea of Christianity. And yet we're going to talk about all. Because it happened again. There is a tradition. There is this long thing called tradition. And we stick with it. And we make sometimes tradition. We worship tradition more than what the tradition point to. Sometimes we make the tradition so much more important than what the tradition set up to do. And so today we're going to spend a few moments talking about this tradition. And after all, this tradition is about a meal. Somebody say food. Food is good. So let's read together. And the setting here, setting here that somebody outside of the church is a Roman soldier. And yet he have heard and seen and felt something so powerful, he wanted to find out more about it. And then he learned what those things feel like. So this, this Roman, this Italian guy, have seen and heard that prayer life is a part of this process, so he started to pray. And then, and then something in that desire and that that, that way of going after that desire of waiting and, and forcing himself to get to that place, something miraculous happened outside of his power. He happened to have a name, the soldier named Cornelius, uh, in the beginning of chapter 10. We're going to pick up with 34, a few verses from that. But the setup in the beginning of this, there's this Italian military guy pray, and the Holy Spirit talked to him. Tell him about this, this uh, missionary, this preacher named Peter. And then, and then the Holy Spirit talked to this Italian dude about this Christian guy. And the Holy Spirit talked about this, this Christian guy and put them together. A churchy person uh, put together with an unchurchy person uh, in this first century church, this Christian cannot mingle with this Gentile. Because if this Christian go to the Gentile, then this Christian is dirty now, is filthy. <laughs> but it's, and the same thing with these with this unchurched people. They cannot go to the church because the church will become dirty simply because they enter. And here we're going to talk about all. For God who put together 
this messy people. And so, uh, if you can see this far, say amen. amen. And so, here's how, how it unfolds. The Holy Spirit talked to uh, these unchurchy people. He talked to these churchy people. And the Holy Spirit put them together and asked the church people to tell to the unchurched people what happened when the Holy Spirit, you've been infected with the Holy Spirit. There's something amazing happened. And here, let us read together. Then Peter began to speak to them. I truly understand that God shows no partiality. But in every nation, everyone who fear him and does what is right is acceptable to him. You know the message he sent to the people of Israel, preaching good. But God raised him on the third day and allowed him to appear, not to all the people, but to us who were chosen by God as witnesses and who ate and drank with him after he rose from the dead. He commanded us to preach to the people and to testify that he is the one ordained by God as judge of the living and the dead. All the prophets testify about him that everyone who believes in him receives forgiveness of sins through his name. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. This is a challenge. A challenge and invitation for us to reevaluate once again what it is that we are doing within the four walls of this location. And the challenge is, is simply this. If the gospel of good news is for all people, then who among us can override what the good news really here to do? If, if the good news is for all, when is all become for these or those or them and us? I often say to you, I am so grateful that I don't have the job of deciding who is in, who is out. My tiny little island-sized brain cannot fathom what it is to qualify who is in and who is out. And yet, and yet, We live in a generation, we live in a space and time that you just look out there. You turn on the news at five o'clock and you will learn quickly who's in, who's out. We spend so much time, so much energy, so much creativity on figuring out who is in, who is out. There was a time 
There was a time that the United Methodist Church was so proud to claim that we are the United Methodist Church. All sinners are welcome in this place. And now, and now we are in a generation that this particular kind of sinners are welcome here. And those sinners over there, they are holy people that go somewhere else. John Wesley, as radical as he was, John Wesley thought that the gospel no longer belonged within the tradition of the church. He grew up in a time that the church cannot preach outside of the pulpit. He, he will, he, he, John Wesley was willing to violate this structure that the gospel can only be preached behind a pulpit. John Wesley started to step out and stand in the street corner and start talking. And then John Wesley was, was challenged by uh, a structure that women, women, the women are not fit to be a vessel of the Holy Spirit. Oh, yeah, you can, you can teach a Sunday school or you can talk about the Bible, but don't stand up there in front of people and pretend that you are a teacher if you are a woman. <laughs> if you wear a skirt, let's just put it that way. And then he was challenged with the idea that, that the Holy Spirit will bear much fruit in the power of the Holy Spirit. These women will proclaim truth that is so ridiculous that people want to find out more about it. Do you remember the story of the first church when the Holy Spirit descended? People just joined. They could not count how many people joined. John Wesley was challenged by the power of the Holy Spirit. People just joined. Not because of the voice of a female, not because of how, uh, how they dress up, what time they met, what kind of color the carpet was in that place? How loud the music was and how quick or how slow or who, who is leading it. They just joined because the power of the Holy Spirit touched their life. And here, here's Peter. You go back, please go back and read this. Peter grew up and he was so good. He was a good Jew. He did not eat anything outside of the tradition. He was a good boy. He behaved well. He went to Sunday school. He watched the elders live life. And he learned what is in and what is out. And he learned it well. And then here is Peter having a vision from God. Around noon, this particular moment, in this particular place, he was hungry. Are you hungry? I think I'll just ask because it's almost that time. He was hungry, but he needed to pray, and he prayed, and, and he fell in, in, in these deep prayer times that he was moved by a power outside of him. And then the power showed him that his physical need of hunger is acknowledged. And he had this vision that there is the, the menu that, that dropped from heaven. 
a list of all these things, including lobsters and shrimp. And no, it was not in there. It was just. But it's a list of things that he is a good Jew. He cannot eat. And a voice came to him and say, "Just get up, kill, and eat." And he said, "No. I know what I was taught to do." Three times. Three times the Holy Spirit. How many, how many times it would take the Holy Spirit to get through to you? More than three, I'm sure. Because of the tradition, he wanted to obey the tradition. He he never done any of this, and then God said to him, "Don't. I I am over this menu over here. Is all good. Just do it. Just follow me." At the same time, he is, he is a churchy person, and he is somebody who want what these people want, have seen what happened to their life. Because when you encounter the resurrected God, it simply changed everything in you. It changed where you hang out. It changed the way you think about people. It changed how you manage and steward over any blessing that come in your life, even the pain and the suffering in your life. When you encounter the resurrected God, it just changed. It changed everything. And he is the people from outside looking at those people and say, I want what, I don't care what they have, but I want some of that. Wouldn't it be good? Can you imagine the people in the community who have not encountered these? And that's what they say about First United Methodist Church, supposed to sit. I say, I say, if I want, if I want the people in the community to talk about us, I hope that one day they say those people who meet over there in that corner. I don't know what they believe. I don't know what they talk about. But this community won't be any better without those people there. And if they say that about our church, that we are going somewhere, because this church in this location have done something amazing that impact. The way the community live, because this location and these people believe that all means all. That all does not have skin color. That all does not judge on how big a bank account. That all does not care how smelly people are. All means all. And if we cannot live up to the all. Then what Peter was proclaiming here is foolishness. These unchurchy people just simply say, "Peter, can you tell us what is this risen God is like?" And it's a it's a crazy thing. It's a really ridiculous way when people ask you to tell them about Jesus. I say I say this, and it's true. To a large extent, if you grew up in, a, in our other living room in the Baptist fold, you learn, you learn the scripture, and it's something that they contribute to our, to our uh, church family. It's so so critical and so important. In in our in our little tradition of Methodism, sometimes we get lost. On just doing good work, 
These two things, knowing the scripture and executing good works, are not mutually exclusive of one another. It is so powerful and so beautiful when they come together. But sometimes, sometimes the scripture here in your work, a lot of people start with looking at you before you even quote a scripture. The way you live life, the way that you do life, is the scripture in itself. It's an on-ramp to the encounter with the Holy Spirit. Please, please hear me. I'm not suggesting to neglect reading the scripture. Do read it. Learn it. And ask questions about it. And be challenged by it. So that when your Peter moment comes, you are able to tell them about who this Christ is. And so Peter told him, now I know, now I know that my little tradition of not eating these things and keeping the rules and the tradition of this church, of this denomination, I know the, its limitation is of today. And how do I know that? Because the Holy Spirit visited me. And he said, don't be afraid. Just tell them what happened to you. And so he did. And as he began, verse 34, he simply, 34, 35, he simply said, now I understand that God does not have favor. Does not play games with that. God simply Love all. When God died, he died for all. And when God rise from the dead, he walked out of that hell for all people. And I cannot fathom who among the church who say, you are not part of the all. Because the power of this Holy Spirit is given to all. The power of this love deserved by all. Can you imagine living a life not being touched by love? I can't. I can't. And as, as this comes to an end, it simply say, for all of those who believe, this is your marching order to go and preach to the end of the world. Preach. And what do you preach? You preach that God is for all people. That is our marching order. Anything outside of that, he might not be the same God. So brothers and sisters, family and friends. <laughs> we Methodists have been accused from time to time and be proud. We stand in the middle of the highway and hold the tension between the extreme. And I say from time to time, do you know what, what happened to people who stand in the middle of the highway? We got flat like a pancake. 
And we've been, we've been teased sometimes. We are so open-minded, our, our smart brain fell out. But yet, I'm so proud to continue to stand in our wall. I think the gospel is so big that it's not exclusive of anybody. It's simply making an invitation for all. And you know the good thing about it? It gives us the power to choose to be a part of it. Unfortunately, there are many of us, we added ourselves out of it. And so if today is that day, if today is that day for you who are listening in, this might be a challenge. Sometimes the way that we edit ourselves, we say we have done so much bad in our life that God, who is so good, so holy, cannot even fathom to love us. I remember a few years ago, I think I might have told you this story, and if I did, forgive me. I passed the age that I'm forgetful. Somebody say amen. And, uh, and this young man, this young man visited the church, especially on Saturday night. We have worship Saturday night. And then uh, I, I realized that he was a little different from most. And then we spent time together. And then I learned. I learned that substance abuse was his life. He was a leader of a king in Shreveport and Bossier. That's about all I wanted to know. I didn't really want to know, but I knew he was... He was involved in some dangerous stuff. And then one day after worship, after I preached one Saturday, I walked in my office and he was sitting there on the couch in my office. In his pocket, a big old lump of stuff here. And he said, Pastor Sione, look, I have so much money. I've done drugs so much so that the part of the reason when I shoot myself is so I can have peace. I've done so much put in my vein, I cannot even feel peace. I'm tired of doing this. I've done so much bad. I've taken some lives. I don't know what you say to that. I didn't get a class in seminary for that. And we pray. He smells so bad, I hug him. And I told him I love him. And then he say, I think I have a way out of this. I could not suggest a way out because I, didn't, I, 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 I ran out of ideas. I said, what are you going to do? He said, I'm going to check myself into jail. And he did. He walked right into those places and he checked himself into jail. Today, that guy is a preacher. His first sermon out, he asked me to come and listen to him. I went. If that is not the God of all who saved people like that, I don't know what the resurrected God cannot do. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.
So God, we thank you. We Gentile are so grateful that we have a space in your mercy. We sinners feel unworthy to be loved, to be welcomed, to be accepted. And yet, you extended to us hospitality and love and mercy so far beyond anything we could have come up with. Thank you. Thank you for giving us the task of doing life in such a way that point to you. It is in your name that we pray and all God's people say amen.